Well, we're going to be starting a new series this morning called Neighbors. (laughs) Overwhelmed, are you? (laughs) We've all got them. We all have neighbors, and we're going to be leading up to, uh, to Easter with this series, and we want to reach out to our neighbors. Amen. Two, two uh, passages of scriptures we're going to look at this morning, John 10, excuse me, Luke 10 and John 4. If you're only going to go to one, go to John 4, because that's where we're going to take most of our scripture from this morning. And while you are flipping over there, I'm going to tell you a story real quickly. D.L. Moody, who was an evangelist in the the mid to late 1800s, was in Indianapolis at one time for a conference on mass evangelism. And one morning after the morning service, he met one of the song leaders and he asked him if he would meet him at six that afternoon before the, the evening service began. And the man said yes, that he would. So when he met Mr. Moody later that day, Moody had brought a, uh, an apple crate with him and he asked the song leader to get up on the crate and sing. So the man did and as he sang, they drew a crowd. And after a while, they had a pretty good sized crowd there and Mr. Moody stepped up and just simply began to share a little bit. And he said, if you're interested in knowing more about Jesus, would you please come into this conference Uh, hall with me. So they went in and actually uh, a few hundred people followed him in to that conference hall. And he got up and he began to preach the gospel to these people. He was telling them about the goodness of our God. After he had been preaching for about an hour, the conference attendees and the conference leaders started to come in. And Mr. Moody said to them, I'm sorry, but we're gonna to have to stop now because the, the, the attendees have come to talk about how to do evangelism. And Mr. Moody did that, not to be ugly, but to, to show the difference between talking about something and actually doing something. So for the next six weeks, we're going to talk about evangelism. We're going to talk about reaching out to our neighbors, but we're not talking just so we can be talking. There needs to be some action behind what we're doing, right? right. We are the light of the world. Scripture doesn't say somebody else will be the light of the world. It says we're the light of the world and a light Set on a hill cannot be hidden. So let's not be hidden. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, says, and a lawyer stood up and put him, him being Jesus, to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. That's kind of a strange way to say that, isn't it? Do this and you will live. 
And y'all know that I have this uh, affinity for looking up words in the Greek since I don't speak Greek. I have to go and look it up. And that word live right there means to enjoy real life. So what was Jesus saying to this, to this lawyer? Love the Lord, love others, and you will enjoy real life. Because our life, this is our real life, our life is made up of loving God, loving others. Amen. Bow your heads, we can be done right now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, I have 29 more minutes. <laughs> We're glad I'm sorry, we're good at claiming that we love the Lord. We say, yeah, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. But the way to really show and the way to really demonstrate that we love the Lord is to love our neighbor. And Jesus said this to this, this lawyer, and as it says in verse 29, but wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? That word neighbor out of the blue letter Bible lexicon says, according to Christ, any other person irrespective of nation or religion with whom we live or with whom we chance to meet is our neighbor. Amen. So in other words, Anybody and everybody is our neighbor. It's not that grouchy person that lives next door to you that you don't really care if they go to heaven or hell anyway. Right, the one that lets his dog come over and uh, do his business in your yard, right? Anybody that we may chance to meet is our neighbor. So this morning, I want to talk about how to neighbor like Jesus. How to neighbor like Jesus. Got four, four quick points, how to neighbor like Jesus. If you're taking notes, here it comes. Number one, to neighbor like Jesus, we've got to be willing to go places where others don't and be willing to talk to people others won't. In other words, we have to be intentional. Now let's look over into John 4. Hopefully you're already there. John 4, and this is one of my favorite, and I've been teasing my Wednesday night group because every time I stand up on Wednesday nights, I say, this is one of my favorite stories out of the Bible. And it's like, you can turn to just about any page on the Bible, and one of my favorite stories is gonna be there. This, is one of, this one really is one of my favorite stories out of the Bible. John chapter four, starting in verse three. He, once again being Jesus, left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. He had to pass through Samaria. The New King James Version said he needed to pass through Samaria. Now, we being not Jews, we living in today, we don't understand what's really going on here. The Samaritans were not loved by the Jews. In fact, the Jews hated the Samaritans. You think of just about the worst racial word that you could use and that's about the way that the Jews thought of Samaritans. It was pretty ugly. 
A good Jewish person wouldn't even travel through Samaria. If you look at a map, if you've got a paper Bible with you, or you have a paper Bible at home that has all the maps in the back, you know those maps actually can show us things. When I was a kid, I used to play on the maps while my dad would would be up there preaching. I'd play on the map, I'd have wars on the map and stuff like that. Go and look at one of those maps and there will be one that says Palestine in the time of Jesus or something like that. Galilee is in the north, Judea is in the south, and Samaria is stuck right in the middle. And there's a little sliver over here where Judea and Galilee touch. But to get to where Jesus wanted to go, especially since he was leaving Judea down here, and we know that he was around Jerusalem, the easiest place to go is just a straight line, right? I was never really good in math, but I got the straight line part of it. When they started putting those angles and stuff in there, did anybody else have trouble when they started throwing the alphabet into math? That's hallelujah, see? I, I don't know what that is. That's, that's some, kind of, some kind of work of Satan right there. They're telling me that two plus two equals four. I've got that. But two plus A, that doesn't mean anything, does it? No, that doesn't mean anything. That's why engineers are really weird because they can figure that stuff out. Whatever, whatever. So Jesus had to. Once again, the the New King James says Jesus needed to pass through. He could have been like the rest of the Jews and gone all the way around. They went out of their way to not go through Samaria. But Jesus needed to go to Samaria. Jesus needed to pass through Samaria. Why? Because he was willing to go where others wouldn't go and he was willing to talk to to people that others wouldn't talk to. Right? Samaritans were outcasts. Just give you a little, little background history here. The, the Samaritans came about because they were the poorest of the poor. They were the uneducated people that were left in Judah when the Babylonians came in and took everybody away. They're what was left. They were so poor, they were, they, they were so nothing that, that they didn't even want to mess with them. I'm not dragging them all the way back to, to wherever we're going. We, so they just left them there. And they intermarried with, with the other nations and the Samaritan race came because of that. And they had set up their own place of worship. We'll see that here just a little bit. But a good Jewish person would not even talk to a Samaritan. Remember that, a good religious Jew would not even talk to a Samaritan. But let's see what Jesus does. In verse five, so he came to the city of Samaria Samaria, called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, or about noon, when a woman from Samaria, when a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now once again, a good religious Jew would not even have talked to a Samaritan. But here's Jesus, a good religious Jew would not even gone into Samaria, but here's Jesus. Not only does he decide that he needs to go through Samaria, 
But he sits down by a well and he's deciding he's gonna talk to somebody. Now this is what I really, really love about Jesus. He was a rule breaker. He makes all of us that spent time in the principal's office, spent time in time out, spent time with our nose in the, did you ever get that? Is your nose in the corner? Is your, no, is your nose in the corner? I don't know if they do that to kids anymore. That's probably considered abuse nowadays. But I got a paddling, then got put in the corner. How about that? So for those of us that had trouble with the rules, Jesus is our guy. Jesus is our guy. A good religious Jew would not even have been here, but here's Jesus, and here comes this woman, and he addresses her. Jesus was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Once again, I'm just painting a picture for you here at the beginning. The women of the village would go out and draw water first thing in the mornings. Any woman that was not allowed to go out and draw water first thing in the morning was, was a woman, let's say, of ill repute. A woman of not good standing in the community. A man didn't spend his time at the well. So a man that would be at the well was looking for a date. It's kind of like match.com of their day. <laughs> so if a man was looking for a hookup, he would go sit out at the well after all the good girls had already come and gotten their water. You, you understand what I'm saying? So here's Jesus sitting at this well and here comes this, this woman. What is she thinking? Here's my date for the afternoon, here's, and here's Jesus. He addresses her. He speaks to her. A Jewish man, much less a rabbi, would not speak to a woman unless her husband or her father was present. You just did not speak to a single woman. It's just not the way that it happened. So are, 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 are you seeing the picture? Here's Jesus in a place he shouldn't be. Here's Jesus talking to a woman he should not be talking to, right? This is a mess waiting to happen. This is tabloid news gossip waiting to happen. This is what gets you kicked out of church, gets you kicked out of the ministry, but Jesus didn't care, <laughs> did he? Jesus did not care. To neighbor like Jesus, you can't be afraid of losing your reputation. Amen. And you've gotta be willing to go where people are and love them right where they are, right? So I don't know if you've noticed, but they don't usually show up at church. Sometimes they do, but not usually. Number two, to neighbor like Jesus, you've gotta be willing to get dirty. She was surprised that Jesus spoke to her. That's what scripture says. She goes, hey, you're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? And he tells her, if you knew who I, if you knew who I was, 
you'd be asking me for a drink. And he goes on to tell her about living water. And that's where we pick it up in verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty or come all the way here to draw. He said to her, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have correctly said I have no husband for you've had five husbands and the one that you are with now is not your husband. Jesus was not afraid or offended by her dirt, right? right. Jesus was not offended by what she's gone through in life. Now we, when when, when you read that, I mean even today, if if you run into people who have had five, six spouses, you're kinda like, whoa, right? Think about that back then. And we've probably not had five or six spouses, but you know what? You've fallen for something five or six times. You've done something five or six times. Jesus wasn't coming at her in a judgmental way. Listen to this. What he was saying was, I know all about you and I'm still willing to engage with you. I know everything that is going on in your heart and everything that is going on in your life and I am still willing to engage with you. That's how you love people. That's how you neighbor like Jesus. William Booth, who's the man that started the Salvation Army, was walking in downtown London one night walking with his 12-year-old son. And as they're walking in a seedier part of, of the town, he grabs his son's hand and he just drags him into a saloon. And as they, they get in there, he, they see men and women just drunk and falling over themselves and the, the, the smell of alcohol and tobacco is just thick in the air and the young man is, is, is hearing uh, the profane and the, the, the perverted conversations that are going on. You can get your kids taken away from you for dragging them in a place like that, right? Now, if we were to do that to prove a point, Come on in here, son. You see these people, they're all going to hell. You stay away from these kind of people. But Booth took his child in there and let him get a full view of everything that was going on. And then he looks at him and he says, son, these are our people. I want you to spend your life giving Jesus to them. He was not afraid of their dirt. So the neighbor like Jesus, you've got to understand that people have stuff. Guess what? You've got stuff. I've got stuff. We've all got stuff. So we throw our stuff into one great big pile and let Jesus work on it, right? We can't be afraid of people's stuff. Number three, to neighbor like Jesus, we've got to be real and not religious. Verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. 
Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Sometimes people mask their hurt with religious speak. Doesn't make them any less hurt. But let me tell you, this is not the opportunity to correct their theology. This is an opportunity to love people right where they were. Several years ago, uh, I took a group. We were doing a treasure hunt, if you know what a treasure hunt is. Uh, It's a, a form of evangelism. And I took the guys, Lisa took the girls, and we went to Walmart because we just figured if you go to Walmart, you need Jesus. <laughs> and we went in, and uh, the guys and I got in a conversation with a lady. She didn't want us to pray for her at first. She did everything she could to keep us away from her. She was just really grouchy at first, but we knew she, that she was our, our target because it matched the clues that the Lord gave us. But as we engaged her and God began to work on her heart, she switched from this grouchy woman to suddenly, you know, trying to give us religious advice. She just began to speak to us, and her theology was all over the place. I mean, to one of the, she pointed at one of the guys, she goes, you need to get a good girl. Don't get one that drinks too much beer. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> But it wasn't, it wasn't the time to sit there and, and, and fix her theology. It was a time to love her. Didn't have to get religious and go, well, ma'am, you know that in the scripture it says this. Look, her life was not being guided by scripture. She just needed somebody to stand up. Hey, Jesus can take care of it. So we don't want to be religious. We don't want to find ourselves falling into that trap. Jesus answered her question but pointed her to a better future. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Point them to a good future. Point them to hope. Whether their lives are good, bad, or ugly, everyone, everyone is hoping for a better future. Everyone is hoping for a better future. I read this silly little story about uh, a man who, who saw a Little League baseball game and just decided to stop, and he, he went out there and was gonna you know, watch the kids play, and he came up behind the dugout, and he talked to one of the kids. He said, hey, what's the score? And the kid goes, 18 to nothing, and we're behind. And the man went, wow, I bet you're discouraged. And he goes, why should I be discouraged? We haven't even gotten up to bat yet. (laughs) Everybody wants a better future. Everybody's looking for hope, right? Good, bad, or ugly. They're looking for hope, looking for hope. To neighbor like Jesus, you've got to be real enough to hurt when people are hurting. You've got to be real enough to rejoice when they're rejoicing. Can you do that? Can you rejoice when people are rejoicing? Sometimes we think that the only way that we can pull somebody into Jesus is is wait for them to screw up really, really bad. 
Wait for them to be really, really broken, and then we'll jump in there with Jesus. But you know, there are people outside of these, these four walls that this morning are not in church and they're happy. How could they be happy without Jesus? Well, they're happy in their lives. They may have a good marriage. They may have decent kids, right? Can you rejoice with people when they're rejoicing, but still point them to a better future? Point them to a better future. Because that's what Jesus did. Number four, I'm gonna get through this, ha ha. (laughs) Number four, to neighbor like Jesus, you've got to understand, now listen, if you don't write anything else down, you write this down. You type it into your phone, you do something, you know, if you're a robot, just fix it so it sticks into your memory bank. To neighbor like Jesus, you've got to understand their past does not determine their future. Their past does not determine their future. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. People who meet Jesus, it changes everything. When they meet Jesus, It changes everything. Verse 28, so the woman left the water pot. She was only allowed to come out there at one time during the day. That was the only time that people in her classification were allowed to go out there. She went out there to get water. She left the water. She met Jesus. She left the water. That's a big, big deal. She left the water pot and she ran into town. I guess I'll read it. So the woman left the water pot and went into the city and said to the men, once again, very important, these men may have been some of her clients. She said to the men, she ran up to these men that at any other time she may have even been ashamed to see. Come and see a man who told me all things that I have done. This is, is this not the Christ? And they went out of the city and were coming to him. Before she was an outcast, now she's an evangelist. Her past had absolutely nothing to do with the future that God had set for her. Guess what? I've been to that well. I've been to that well. Because there was a time in my life when I was an outcast. There was a time in my life when I was broken. There was time in my life when I was in desperate need of somebody to come and find me. She didn't wake up that morning and go, hey, I'm gonna connect with the God of the universe. She woke up that morning with the same shame that she woke up every morning with. But she went to the well. Have you been to the well? Have you been at the well? Because at the well, everything changes. Because at the well, one who loves you and doesn't care about your past is there. He didn't look at me and say, you know what? You're angry, you're broken, you're bitter. You're addicted. You're hateful. He said, I want to give you that living water. I want to give you that living water. I want to give you that living water. And you know what? I have found myself back at the well many times. 
because I need more. I need more of Jesus. I need more of Jesus. And I know where he's hanging out. He came to seek and save the lost. So if I want more of Jesus, I need to go where the lost are. I I need to go where people need Jesus. What about you this morning? Would you bow your heads with me for just a second?